Thank you for tuning in to the podcast ministry of Broad Street United Methodist Church in Statesville, North Carolina. We offer our sermons here as a resource, a conversation starter, and a guide towards the life that Jesus calls us to. Join us weekly for a sermon from the clergy and visit us online at broadstreetumc.org for more information. Let's tune in to today's sermon. reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, it will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The word of God for all the world. A little while back, I found myself in line in one of our establishments downtown and um, as uh, we were in line and having uh, exchanging pleasantries with those around us the person that was uh, uh, beside me discovered that I was a minister and so she said uh, well while we're waiting <laughs> I have this thing that I've been wondering about and 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 can I can I ask you about it sure and so um, she said, I, I know this is um, irrational. <laughs> um, it doesn't make sense, and it doesn't make sense to me. Um, she said, I've, I've, since I was little, I've been a part of a community of faith, and I've always been in a place of worship. And, and now I've just come to, to this point in time where I'm, uh, I'm not in a community of faith. And I just had this thought that came to me, um, and, and it... <laughs> It raised the fear in me, actually. I, 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 the thought came, what if I died in like two days? And then my funeral, the service, no one would know where to hold it. There would, there, there, I, I wouldn't be a part of a, a, a church in which the, the, uh, the service could be held. And so um, I started asking her some, some, some questions about it. I said, you know, even if you have it at a graveside, it could still be a, a holy gathering, a, a, a place where God is honored and you, your life is celebrated and uh, your, your family would, would certainly be there. And she said, yeah, I know. And I, and I know that's not enough. And I said, well, you, you know, your coworkers, your friends, they'd be with you and uh, she said i i just know but i also i know there's there's something that that is not enough and uh and she said it i, I can't figure it out it's, it has something to do with the with the building it has something to do with the with the with the with the church building I said well 
you know, we could have the service outside, you could have it inside, but um, what is it? Is it the building? Is it the people? Is it, what, what, what is it? And I said, you know, uh, it may surprise you, but uh, ministers don't have all the answers. And, um, um, but what, what we, we do have is the opportunity to get together and talk about things. And, and I said, you know, I had a, a, a similar kind of an experience. It's been, well, 13 years back now, but um, I said, uh, how about I confess it to you and then uh, see if it's similar to, to what you experienced. And, and so I, I, I told her that um, I was asked by our, our United Methodist Conference um, to take a trip to the Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, to be there for two weeks and to uh, go to various facilities that were owned by the Methodist Church. There were orphanages and schools and clinics and churches, of course. And um, many of the buildings had been damaged by the civil war that had been going on there for uh, an extended number of years. And, and now finally they were at a place where um, things had stopped. And they wanted to, to assess which buildings could be saved, which ones couldn't be able to put on a scale and then to invite building teams to come over from our conference and others to, to work on them. And so, so I went and that's all that I knew before I arrived. And um, uh, as we uh, found our place, there was a compound, a high fence around it, solid, uh, that was locked at night, it was a hostel. And then um, the doors were, were unlocked uh, at sunrise and uh, we could go out to our various places and I needed to go up the mountain and walk up the sidewalk about uh, three quarters of a mile to get to the conference center. And that's where we would get transportation to go to these various places. And I, as I was walking um, along the way, um, people were speaking to me. They would say, Jihad, Jihad. And, and I would, would say, good morning to you. And uh, I didn't know what they were saying to me. Um, but I was greeting people along the way. And um, after a couple of days of it, I asked the conference officials, what does that mean? Uh, and and they, they explained to me a long explanation. It, it means Chinese. They think you're Chinese. <laughs> and as I um, started asking them about that, they said, uh, they explained to me the reason for the Civil War. They said, uh, since this country's uh, beginning, uh, when the Belgians, Belgians were the one who came to take our resources. Uh, many other countries and many other companies have come to exploit us. Uh, right now, it's the Chinese. And it's because um, the processing of um, computer trips, and especially for iPhones, there are a couple of rare minerals, cobalt and, and um, coltan, the only place on earth that has coltan. And uh, you can't make chips, computer chips, with, without them. And so um, the playbook is that um, if a, a, a powerful country or a multinational corporation uh, sees resources that it needs, um, the way to get them really cheap is to create warfare. Uh, they get one side hating the other, and it doesn't matter which side it is. You just find two communities, two groups of people, uh, you let them know the other hates you, and then you supply them with guns. 
and just let them continue to increase and increase and increase the number of guns and the hatred of one another. Interesting playbook. And it's a way to exploit the country uh, of what it has left. Um, if a weakness is uh, sought to exist there. And, uh, and then as we were traveling, there were, um, the roads were, were completely packed, um, overburdened, and, and you would stop at any particular intersection because there were no lights that were functioning. And at, at any particular intersection, there would, there would be a, a person there with a gun who was helping to direct traffic and uh, because the court systems were non-functioning and so forth, uh, those persons became the jury, uh, the license plate uh, inspection review center, uh, everything. They just had a gun and they would stop any particular car that they looked like would be a good car to stop. And then they would point the gun at you and you'd get out and, and they would assess what was wrong with the car and you would pay the fine immediately to the person. And uh, of course, they wanted me in the front seat. So they thought that would uh, mean they would not stop us, but it was actually the opposite. And so uh, I had a gun in, in my face and uh, we were asked to get out of the car. And after this happened a couple of times, um, I realized uh, again, as the days passed and as I was walking up the hills in, in the morning and people were saying to me, jihad, jihad, that, that this was not a friendly greeting. They assumed that I was there to take and to steal, that I wasn't there to help. And um, sometimes it was expressed so, with such contempt and so viciously, my mind would race and, and I just began to think, you know, uh, any, any one of these could just take a, pick up a rock <laughs> and crack me over the head. And, and, and rightfully so, such hatred. Uh, and such contempt for foreigners who were coming in to steal their resources and, and leave nothing for them that, you know, something could be done with my body and no one would, no one would ever know about it. When it was my time to get back on the plane, people would wonder where I was and think, well, he'll be coming eventually. And, and then back home, my family and friends, they would think I'm supposed to be coming, but, but no one would know. And I, I said to her, you know, it, it's not, as you said, it's not a fear of dying. And as you said, it's, it's, it's not a, 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 an under, you know, a, any, any wondering about my soul and in, in eternity. It is that my existence would just vanish. And a community of faith who were looking for me wouldn't even know whether or not they could celebrate a life or talk about the things that were important to me or what I was doing or what happened to me. And so the fear was about no significance. You know, in the passage today that, that Timmy read, it's a part of what theologians call the farewell discourse. This is the, the time of year when uh, schools, universities invite an important person to, to come back and to stand up and to, to give a farewell address uh, for everyone who's there for the work they've done. In this case, it's Jesus. Jesus is graduating 
and uh, Jesus is, is sending out all of those who have been trained to, to do their thing in the world and to do greater things than he would do. And the, the farewell discourse goes across four chapters. It's long, it's extensive. We, we don't hear about it in the other gospels, but John lives a good long life. And you can tell that John has these words of Jesus seared into his mind, his heart, his, his soul, his spirit. It's carried him all these years. And if, by the way, you have a quiet time today, you know, there's a time when you can just go out on the deck and, and read. I, I would invite you to start with chapter 14 and read up through chapter 17 because Jesus makes it very clear. These are the words I'm, I'm leaving to not just you all, you 12 who are here. I'm leaving it to all of those who will follow after you and prays for us there. What to me read was just four sentences, four verses out of those four chapters that like everything Jesus shares, they are uh, significant, powerful, simple, and stunning. What uh, Jesus is, is talking about is, is the community that Jesus is. If you try to define who and what God is at, at, at its prime, God is a community. It's a threesome that speak and communicate to one another. Community cannot be separated out of God's own identity. Three manifestations of God and, and the way in which they relate to one another is, is displays the characteristics of God. There are times when Jesus says amazing things that startle people and they want to, to bow down and worship him in that moment. And Jesus will say repeatedly, I, I, these are not my words. I am only sharing the words that the Father has spoken to me. I'm just passing them on to you. I'm, I'm just here to help. And in the same way as Jesus comes to this moment, he says, it's a good thing that I'm sending the Spirit for you. The Spirit goes with you wherever you are in the world, wherever you find yourself. But, but what the Spirit will do is, is, is simply pass along and remind you of the words that I told you, that the Father told me. So there's this immense humility, uh, an immense self-giving that is displayed in the Trinity which we are invited to emulate. There's a, a community, the Godhead, the Trinity, the triune God who exists for the sake of our community, for people who are willing to gather together to be reminded of the big challenges in the world, to remember that Jesus called us to be about those things and to to be reminded that the reason God exists is not for God's own self, but to be there for us so that we might join with God in God's work and continue doing the work of Christ. A community that's divine, that exists for the sake of a community that is human so that the divine might be seen and 
known in us instead of a, a, a people in whom duality is so easy to bring about. It's me against you, it's us against them, it's me against the world. It's so, so easy to be one or another. And the Godhead, Trinity, will have none of that. We exist for one another. We exist to honor the other, to defer to the other, to bring glory to the other. It's been said before, you've heard it before, but can we be honest? I mean, there are a lot of different people here. And there are a lot of people who just would not associate with one another, have anything to do with one another, except for God called us here. And in the conversation I was having down the street, and and the conversation in my mind uh, on the other side of the world is, is a, a reality that, uh, you know, at the, in the midst of our lives, in the end of our life, is if it's just our family, if it's just friends, if it's just co-workers who, who know that we existed, well, that's not much more than just existence, is it? And of little significance, but the moment we decide we're gonna be a part of the one thing more, to intentionally participate in a community whose responsibility it is day after day, week after week, to gather together to remind each other of the things that God has passed along to us. To talk about, to think about the way in which God would have us speak, serve, and act to be a part of that that gives glory to God it honors God and it and it brings meaning and significance to our existence until and unless we are intentional in this community of faith declaring God's words in the way that Christ would share them, wishing hope and justice and peace and forgiveness, mercy and grace for one to another. Well, in the midst of that, the world begins to change. Yes, those who come to us and those who have the light bulb go off and who understand finally that uh, they can be a part of this incredible calling to which God calls all of us. Yes, it may be just one soul at a time, but it's never meant to be one soul who goes out there all by himself or herself, working on their relationship to God on their own mystical, uh, mystical journey with God. It's always a call into community, to being with one another, helping one another, a community that exists not for its own sake, but for the sake of the world around us. In a world that's looking for truth, there is a truth. And one is that from the beginning, that uh, God has given us the opportunity to, to walk away from God. For as long as we want to, 
nothing required of us. And the truth is we will. We'll try everything else until there's nothing else that gives us meaning and significance. And the truth is, the truth is, the name Jesus, who came to save us from isolation, to save us from self-importance, to save us from indignation, to save us from self-inflation and aggrandizement, to save us, to remake us into the very image of God, which God intended from the beginning to move us from duality to mutuality, to get us away from independence and to understand the divine gift of interdependence. The risen Christ comes to remind us of the truth even today, every day. And so uh, a couple of questions come to me for us who are intentionally in community with one another. The Spirit might ask us, coming out of the pandemic, Am I serving in my local community of faith in a, in a way that allows me to make a difference? And it helps encourage one another for us all together to make a difference. What's holding me back from that which God knows I'm capable of? A question particularly that uh, pokes me in my spirit when we're communicating across the week. Are we communicating like Jesus? Are we communicating in a way that illuminates that God's the one who sent us? God's who is with us in that moment and, and that our conversation is there to, to point the way to God's presence in that moment? that the source of all life and love is right here, right now, and goes with us wherever we go. And are we willing to rely upon what God says is all you need to understand that the Holy Spirit is going with you to all the places in the world, wherever you go, whatever circumstances you and I find ourselves in, and are we willing to risk, to sacrifice comfort and security, the way in which the world so easily communicates, and to communicate the cause of Christ. I want to give you just a moment where you are before we get away to think on these things because uh, the truth is with us and the truth will set us free. Let's pray.
We are so grateful you took the time to listen to our podcast ministry, and we hope you found the sermon meaningful, inspiring, and thought-provoking. To explore our ministry offerings or to give to support this podcast ministry, please visit www.broadstreetumc.org to get plugged in. This podcast was produced by Rob Lee, a member of Broad Street United Methodist Church, and copyright all rights reserved. Peace be with you, and God bless.